you don't start on time, people start going, where's Church go? Where's Church go? Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you are in the back, come on in and join us. If you're grabbing a snack at home, come on in and find it and find your seat. <laughs> Welcome to church this morning. Uh, if you're in, if you are getting a snack, uh, let us know what you're eating. Comment on the Facebook page because I'm curious what you're snacking on. Uh, welcome to church this morning. Super excited to be with you guys and worship together this morning. Um, it's the Sunday after Easter, which I, this morning I was like, or last night when we were going to bed, I, I was like, what time do we get up on Sundays? It feels like Sunday. It's been a while since we've done a Sunday. Casey's like seven days since last Sunday. I was like, oh, it just feels like last Sunday was a long time ago. Um, today we're launching a brand new series on, on love for God so loved. Um, you're going to notice the theme in the worship this morning as we declare the love of Jesus, as we sing, and um, encourage you guys to sing it out and with everything you got. So let's sing together. There were walls between us, by the cross you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You call me out of the grave. You call me into the light. You call my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens the way. Oh, feel the darkness shaking, all the dead are coming back to life, I'm back to life. Oh, hear the song awaken, all creation singing, we're alive, cause you're alive. You call me out of the grave, you call me into the light, you call my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater, 
weekend, right? That there's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. The resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. Hopefully this morning you can declare that. God, there's power in your name. There's power in your love. God, as we sing this morning, Heavenly Father, as we worship you, pray that you help us um, be at a place where we can sing that, God. Be at a place where we can declare that. Father, we love that we get to come, um, whether at home or in person, and worship you this morning. God, we thank you for the chance to sing. God, the chance to um, take a time out of our week to declare the fact that we worship an amazing God. Take time out of our week to declare that we worship a God who loves us despite what we do. Keep singing this morning. Sing, He is jealous. 
Good morning. Wow, I'm so glad to take my mask off. Singing with a mask is really hard. I feel like I'm going to pass out half the time. <laughs> okay. I know. Whew. Okay. I just want to welcome everybody. My name's Jen, in case you haven't met me. I'm the loud person that's at the door half the time. Good morning. It's so good to see everybody in person and live. Hello, Matt, my brother from another mother. How are you doing this morning? Okay. So I'm going to be doing my announcements off my phone because when I printed it up, it was so tiny, I couldn't even see it with my glasses. So I'm going to have to read it off of here. Um, I just want to welcome everybody. And I don't know about you guys, but I love that song. And, like, for me, that that knowledge of God loving me, that's what changed my life. I'm, You know, I grew up knowing Jesus, but I was like, yeah, he's Jesus and I'm me. And so I kind of went this way, and he went this way. And then as an adult, I started going to church because I wanted my daughter to know who Jesus was. I thought I was a lost cause. But we thought, well, we can at least give her church. And we started going for her benefit. And then one Sunday, I remember our pastor saying how God loves us right where we are, broken and all, alcoholic. If, you're, if you've been a prostitute, if you've been promiscuous, if you've done drugs, God loves you right then. And I was like, holy cow, I, I got it. It was like a light went off in me. And I was like, he's loved me this whole time. I thought that he didn't. I thought he had abandoned me and that I didn't deserve it. But he loved me the whole time. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because that song really touches my heart. So um, anyway, um, I got a couple things to tell you about. We are launching our small groups this spring. I know Miss Joy is getting ready to do another backyard Bible study for women. So much fun. Their backyard is awesome. I would highly encourage you guys to get on the app and look up small groups. It's a great place to connect. If you are going to church and you're feeling like, well, I haven't really met anybody. It's really kind of hard to meet people like in real life here at church. I mean, we can say good morning and stuff, but to really get to know people and to know how how your lives are the same as theirs and and all those things and we can pray for each other, we got to get into a small group. And that takes courage. You know, some of us are introverts and we're like scared. But I would really encourage you to get out, step out of your comfort zone and and try it. Try a small group and be committed to it. There's been a lot of groups that I've been in where people will come like the first week and then it's like they get scared and they don't come back. I would encourage you to commit, like put yourself fully in, get into the group and come every week. Even when that voice is telling you, well, you should just stay home. You're tired. Just stay home tonight. You don't really need to go. That's not God telling you that. (laughs) Let me tell you, that's the enemy. He doesn't want you to go. He doesn't want you to grow. So I would encourage you if you do get a small group, commit to it and it will change your life. You will make connections that you've never had before. Um, sorry, my phone keeps turning off. Okay. So uh, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. God knows the best way we can grow our relationship with him isn't by doing it alone, but by coming together with other believers to help bring more knowledge and insight through God's word. So that's what we should be doing as believers. Um, And that's living out our faith. Uh, May 9th is going to be Mother's Day. Whoop, whoop. Any any moms in here? All right, cool. I'm kind of a mom. (laughs) I got a couple kids. Um. We're going to celebrate mothers in our lives. We encourage you to bring your mothers, your grandmothers, your stepmoms, your aunts, 
Anybody that's been like a spiritual mom to you, we want to honor those people next Sunday. So please bring them. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, cook them a meal. Why don't you? Okay. So uh, if we're also doing a baby dedication that day. If you have a baby that wants to be dedicated, contact Kimberly. You can go to uh, go to uh, email her at Kimberly at SolanoValley.org, and she will get you on that list, and we will dedicate your baby. Um, sorry. The next thing I want to talk to you about is our giving. Proverbs 3 encourages us to honor God with the resources he has entrusted to us. As we give this morning, know that we are not only making eternal investments in God's kingdom, but also honoring and glorifying God through our giving. We are showing him, God, we trust you. So um, there are four ways that we can give to our church. Number one is we can give online at solanovalley.org backslash giving. We can tap give on the SVC phone app that I hope you all have. We can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. Or we can text give to 707-883-3019. The last thing I want to tell you is um, Pastor Gary is going to be starting a new series next week on Mother's Day about the family. It's going to be about marriage. It's going to be about singleness. It's going to be about parenting. It's about building a stronger home. And um, I think that I know I need that. So um, I would encourage you guys to be here, show up, and be a part of that. And I'm going to pass it off to Mr. Pastor Gary. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, Jen. And, you know, uh, thank you for just kind of sharing from your heart about God's love for us. And I, I love uh, I love what she had to share there. And that song, I uh, I love that song. It's like I get kind of get caught up and carried away in, in the emotion of it uh, every time I hear the song. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. As a young person, a uh, little different background from Jen, I grew up in a home, Christian home, where I was constantly reminded of God's love for me. But every time I was told that, it was like, I don't know. I, I was kind of like my, my front yard, um, and you're probably like, okay, a front yard, that sounds weird, and it, it, it's a weird idea. But understand, in my front yard, we've got a lot of clay soil, and you can water it, and you can water it, and you can water it. But sometimes that soil is so compacted, it will not, it just won't absorb. And so I heard that message all my life that God loved me, and I knew up here, but I feel like as I... Uh, continue to grow in in my life, I have grown more and more in my appreciation of it. And you know, folks, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Far more important. You know, it's interesting to me to pay attention to how we introduce ourselves to people because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll tell people our name and then we are, at least me, I tend to go almost immediately to what do you do, you know? And I tend to define myself, and I tend to define other people by what you do. And, um, and, and I realize that far more important, the most important thing about me isn't what I do. It's, the most important thing about me is not my successes. It's not my failures. But I am defined by this one thing more than anything else, that God loves me. And so just... Thank you, Jim, for reminding us of how important it is for us to be defined by the love, God's love for us, how much he loves us. So uh, 
We're kicking off a brand new series today. I am looking forward to doing a series with you that will kick off on Mother's Day about home and about uh, about the family. And uh, and when I talk about family, one of the things that's important to me is that we not leave out singles as we address this. Because there was a very important place for singles in the church, in the New Testament church, that we, we see. Uh, Jesus himself was single. The Apostle Paul was single. And there were others who were single, and yet they had an important place in the family of God. And they bring richness to the family of God. And so I, I think we want to address that, but we want to address other aspects of family as well that I think are, are good for us. Uh, today we're going to kick off a brand new series on John chapters 1 through 4 called For God So Loved. And, um, and you know, what we're going to do is I've, I did a series back in 2017 on John chapters 1 through 4. And so I'm going to do this, but this year what we're going to do is we're not just going to go through John uh, chapters 1 through 4, but throughout the year we're going to be coming back to John and working our way through it because I think it has an incredible message for us. I really do. I really do. Uh, today we're going to look at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18. And so let me read this for us and then we're going to uh, jump into this and talk a little bit more about it. John chapter 1 verses 1. Uh, through 18. Hey, guys out there on Facebook, YouTube, we're glad you're here. All right. So John chapter one, verses one through 18, the Bible says this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things came into being. uh, All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. I lost my place. Eight? Wow. Okay. He himself, I memorized this like a long time ago in the New American Standard Bible, and I'm reading from an NIV Bible. So when I'm reading an NIV Bible, and I'm like, this doesn't look like the way it's supposed to look. Uh, So I do that. Okay, verse eight. He himself was not the light. John, John the Baptist was not the light, but John the Baptist came only as a witness to the light. The true light, that's Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He, uh, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Let me pray for us real quick. God, today what we want to do is we're coming to this text of Scripture that is in some ways a little bit awkward for us to read. Uh, It's kind of poetic and we kind of understand some of the ideas, but some of the ideas just feel so big that they're sometimes kind of hard to really wrap our minds around. And Lord, I pray uh, that you will help me uh, to just try to, uh, to not try to be, help me God just to be myself and help me God to communicate these complex ideas in very, very simple terms. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. So, I have a question for you. Uh, and what I want you to do is I want you to think about a word. Okay? I want you to think about the word, word. And right now, I don't want you to go back to John chapter 1. But I want you to think about the word, word. But I want you to think about it in the simplest terms you can. Okay? So, We have a word, and that word is word. So in the simplest terms you can think of, how would you define the word word? Okay, four letters. Communication and language. What does the word word mean? Once was, but I want you to think in terms of the word word you use in everyday language. What does that word mean? What does the word word mean? Elijah. You don't know. You don't know. Okay, an expression. Okay. The best way I know how to define the word word is word. Okay. It's like one of those words that we use in everyday life. We never think about what it means. We never stop and try to define it. But we all kind of understand what it means, right? So words are like uh, units of speech. They are like very simple ways of communicating. So uh, I don't know if any of you have ever heard this said before, that women speak three times as many words as men do. Have any of you all ever heard that, that, that before? Okay, so let's talk about this scientifically. That simply isn't true. It's not true, never was, never will be. Okay? The truth is, there, are, uh, there was a scientific study done by a guy named Matthias Mel. He's a psychologist professor at the University of Arizona. And what Mel discovered, and the way he discovered this, was he had about 400 people who carried like a, a little recorder on them that actually counted the number of words they spoke in a day. And while counting the words of 400 college students, this is what he discovered. The average college student speaks 16,000 words a day. That's what they discovered. Okay? 16,000 words a day. The person who spoke the most words spoke 47,000 words. All right? All right? 47,000 words. Sounds like me last Sunday preaching our Easter message. All right? 47,000 words, 50 minutes, all right? 
And, and so, so the person who spoke the most was 47,000 words. By the way, it was not a woman, it was a man. The person who spoke the fewest number of words, 700. Also a man. Uh, the, the people who spoke the most words, the three people who spoke the most words of all were all men. And what he discovered and what they discovered from their, their study is that women speak slightly more than 16,000 words and men spoke slightly less. Now, these were all college students, maybe in other parts of life, different ages, maybe it's different. But based upon the scientific study that's available, that's what they discovered. You know, words are really kind of interesting. That words are, they represent ideas in, in our, our minds. So if I say to you the word car, in your mind, you may look at and you may think about a car that you know. Now, in your mind, what you look at, what you see may look differently from what I see, but that idea that car represents is clear enough in my mind and clear enough in your mind that even though we may not see exactly the same idea, we still have understanding. Does this make sense? The purpose of words is to communicate. The purpose of words is to exchange ideas. That, that what we are trying to do, and we don't think about it, but in everyday life, in everyday communication, we are constantly trying to make a connection with other people around us. Now, I, now, some of you, I don't know, anybody ever live in another country where you did not know the language? Anybody live in another country? Okay, so a few of us have lived in other countries where you uh, didn't know the other language. Did you, did you have English speakers, anybody live in another language where you were not surrounded by English speakers? Okay, so I lived in a country surrounded by people where very few people spoke English, and the only person I knew who could speak English on a conversational uh, level was the guy I shared an apartment with. I did not like him by the end of the year. <laughs> I didn't like the way he spoke English, okay? Especially the way he made fun of Arkansas and people from Arkansas. So, um, but, but you know, it, 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 when you are in a, a situation where you cannot understand the language being... Let, let, me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way, all right? One time, I was getting on a bus, getting on a bus, and while I was getting on a bus, the bus driver was talking in Hungarian, all right? He's speaking in Hungarian. Anybody know Hungarian? No, 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 no. Okay. So I hadn't been there very long. I hadn't been there very long at the time. I was 21 years old. Uh, my jeans were very much in style, uh, like then and, and now. My jeans were the kind of jeans that were covered with holes, uh, I kind of, you know, jean jacket, jeans, I kind of had the look of just kind of a street kid. You know, that was kind of, uh, I, I, I looked like, to be honest with you, I probably looked a little bit like a troublemaker. Actually, when I was 21, I actually was a little bit of a troublemaker. So I get on the bus, I get on the bus, and I'm eating ice cream, all right? I'm eating my ice cream. My mind drowns out everything around me, everybody around me. The only thing I'm thinking about is my ice cream, and it is really good. And I'm eating my ice cream, and as I'm eating it, I can hear the bus driver talking, but I'm ignoring it. I can hear the, do the doors aren't shutting. The bells are ringing, but I'm ignoring everything that's being said around me. And all of a sudden, I notice everybody around me, everybody's shouting. 
and they're all shouting, and, and I'm hearing people say something like this, Fadlat Nam Sabad, Fadlat Nam Sabad, and I'm, I, I'm an American. What the heck is Fadlat Nam Sabad? You know, it's like, you know, you're, you're speaking a foreign, foreign language here, you know, you're, and, and all of a sudden I realize all the people who are speaking and all the people who are yelling are yelling at me. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I think Fadlot is ice cream, and I think Namsabad means you're not supposed to eat it on the bus, all right? And at that time, I'm looking, and the bus driver is looking at me, and he's walking towards me. He is a big guy, and he is mad. And he is coming for me. (laughs) So I did what any normal person would do. I stuck the entire ice cream cone in my mouth. Immediately, I had this, like, brain freeze. My mouth is full, so there's no way I can say, hey, I'm an American, I don't speak Hungarian, I'm really sorry. And if I had expressed who I was, where I was from, probably everybody would have had a big laugh. And instead, I had to jump off that bus to save my life. Words, words are how we make connection. Words are how we communicate. Words are like bridges. Words are like bridges. They are like, like, like if you are in Sausalito and you're going to San Francisco, you take the Golden Gate Bridge. If you are in San Francisco, you're going to Sausalito, you take the Golden Gate Bridge. But words are like bridges. They are ways, uh, like avenues of communication. That carries an idea from one person to another person. And what John does when he wants to write to us about Jesus is he describes Jesus as being the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now, real quick, there's something very important to understand as you listen to this. Because most people who are English speakers, who read John chapter 1, probably don't really grasp what John is saying when John writes, in the beginning was the Word. Because we don't understand how the word logos was used in the first century A.D. So, if you were, uh, if you were uh, in, in that part of the world, much of the ancient world was dominated by Greek culture and Greek way of thinking. And among the Greeks, Greek philosophers, the word logos had the same meaning that you and I have. A word is a unit of thought in either spoken or written form. But the word also had a very special and significant uh, meaning as well. So that when the Greeks were, what, what the Greeks observed is they observed that all of life has an order to it. All of the universe has an order to it. That the sun rises at approximately the same time every day. It sets uh, every day at approximately the same time. It changes a little bit from season to season. But even the seasons come and go and there's a rhythm to everything. There is an order. And so when the, if you take an object and if you, uh, if you pick it up and then if you let it go, what does the object do? It falls to the ground. And if you pick it up 
and you let it go a second time, what does it do? It falls to the ground. If you pick it up and let it go a hundred times, it's not like a 50 times it drops to the ground and 50 times it, you know, hangs suspended in midair. But it's, it's predictable. It's predictable. There's a, a predictability to the universe and everything in the universe. And what the, the Greeks would, when, when they talked about this predictability and this order in the universe, for them, that was the word. That the word for the Greeks, the word word represented the central organizing principle of the universe. That the universe has a word behind it. It has an order to it. And that was how they used the word logos. For the Jews, the Jews used the word word to represent the power of God in spoken form by which he created all things. So if you've ever read John, uh, Genesis chapter 1, John begins, in the beginning, God, or in the beginning was the word. Genesis begins, in the, wor- uh, in the beginning, what, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And as you read through Genesis 1, God says things like, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be this, and there was that. Let there be this, and there was that. And, and let us make man in our image. And every time God said, let there be, and every time God spoke something into existence, it came into being. And so for the ancient Jews, the word began to represent the power of God in spoken form by which he created all things. In fact... In fact, 2,000 years ago, if you were sitting in a synagogue to worship God, and if, and if the rabbi was reading to you uh, from the Old Testament scriptures, when every time he came to the word Yahweh in the Old Testament, he would either say, uh, he would either say the Holy One, the Blessed One, or the Word. And in the ancient Targums, oftentimes the word was used in the place of Yahweh so that they were careful not to take the name of the Lord their God in vain. So that word had incredible significance and importance to them. Uh, We see it reflected in Psalm 33, 6. The Old Testament says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and their starry host by the, the breath of his mouth. And so for them... Uh, that the word logos had special meaning and significance. For us as Christians, the word also has special meaning and significance. For the Christian, the word is God, who created all things, who became human so that all who believe in him might receive eternal life and might be given the right to be children of God. So there are two really important ideas that God can, or that John conveys in this text that, that are crucial for how we think about Jesus and are crucial for how you read the book of John. That, that you've really got to understand John 1, 1 through 18 to really understand the gospel of John. And the first thing is this. It's just real simple. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can. Is that the number one thing that we need to see and understand is that Jesus is the word who is God. Okay? That some people deny the deity of Christ. Some people say the Bible really doesn't teach us that Jesus is God. But when we read through John chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 18. This is what we read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That what you need to see is that in the very beginning, at the beginning of all of God's creation, in the very beginning of God's creation, before there was anything, the Word already was. Uh, that the Word was with God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, was God. That He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made uh, that, that have been made, and, and without Him nothing was made that's been made. That, that this One, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, is God who created all things. He was with God in the beginning, and before there was a beginning, he already was. And so what we need to see, first and foremost, is that that Jesus is the Word who is God. Uh, Later, in verse 18, uh, he says this, No one has ever seen God, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And so, again, we see that, that, that the Son is himself God, that he is separate from God the Father, distinct from God the Father, separate in terms of person, but the same in essence, that in essence he is God, the same as the Father is God. So the first thing I want you to see is this, is that, that, that Jesus is the Word who's, who is God. Secondly, the second thing I want you to see is that Jesus is the Word who became flesh. And um, in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, can I, be, can I be a Bible nerd with you for a few minutes? It says here, The Word became flesh. By the way, that word flesh, there, you know, John could have written this very, very differently. John could have said, The Word became anthropos, became a man. But instead... John uses a different word. The word is sarks. He says that, that the word became flesh. And what John is doing when he's making this statement, the statement was almost a crass statement. Uh, from a Jewish standpoint, it would, have been, it would have been blasphemy. It would have been heresy. It would have been unthinkable. It would have been disgusting. It would have been incredibly offensive. And so he says that, that the word became flesh and he made his dwelling. Another way of saying this is he pitched his tent. That, that the word here for dwelling is the same word that's used in the Old Testament to speak of the tabernacle. Do you all remember the story of the tabernacle? Do you remember how God brought Israel out of Egypt through the leadership of Moses And then what they did is they built a tent of meeting, a tabernacle. And that tabernacle represented what? The presence of God. And in that tent, uh, over the tent, there was a, a, a pillar of cloud in the day and a fire at night. The glory of God. And what John is telling us here about Jesus is he saying the word became flesh and tabernacled among us and we have seen his glory. Just as the Old Testament Jews and the Old Testament Israelites saw the glory of God 
at the tabernacle, what John writes is he, he says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That Jesus is the word who became flesh. And, and he is the one who is full of grace and truth. Now, let me, this is, if I come to you and I come to you only in truth, if you come, men, if you come to your wives only in truth, uh, wives, if you come to your husbands only in truth, if people only experience truth to you, they're not experiencing Jesus through you. Okay? If you come to a person only in grace, only in grace, meaning you're trying to show people kindness, you're trying to show people kindness, you're trying to show people kindness. But if you come to people with grace, but you don't come to them with truth, you no longer represent Jesus to them. That in Jesus, there is the fullness of truth, but there's also the fullness of God's grace. See, truth tells me, Gary, you're a sinner. But grace tells me, Gary, you're forgiven. Are, are, are you with me here? And so when Jesus comes to us, he comes to us full of grace. He comes to us full of truth. And, um, and, and he comes to us, in verse 16 says, Out of this fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. And what that means is this, is that in Jesus the Word who is God, the Word who became flesh, we receive inexhaustible grace. Grace in place of grace. Anybody need grace this last week? I did. I did. Last week I was feeling kind of depleted, you know, from Easter. I was. I was feeling kind of depleted, kind of empty. I get that way. I get that way from time to time. And somebody experienced something not like grace from me, all right? I articulated my displeasure for them in very uncertain terms. I was on my bike. They were coming the opposite direction towards me in a lane. There was no, uh, there was only a ditch for me to go into, or there were three trucks, all of them pulling trailers. So um, I, think, I think I may have used the word idiot. I'm not sure. Uh, but I did let him know he needed to get back on his side of the road, which fortunately he did. Otherwise, I would have been in the ditch or I would have been a, a hood ornament on his car. But 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 the thing is, that the truth is, is that that my being tired doesn't excuse what I said. But what God gives me is he doesn't give me an excuse. He gives me grace. Does that make sense? He gives me grace again, and he gives me grace again and again and again. And, and that's what he does for us. Uh, this is grace. Not, he's not in, being indulgent. He's just giving us not what we deserve, but what we need. And all of us need that. I want to I share with you a thought that I think is kind of important that's not I think it's important because I think it's happening in this text. When John writes, John is writing to people who are not yet believers. Okay? In John chapter 20, verses 31 and 32, in, in John, the, the message of John is this, real simple. I want you to get the message of John. 
The, the message of John is simply this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That is the message of John. And the purpose of John is this. Uh, Many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The purpose of John is so that we'll believe. The message of John is God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. When John is writing, he's not writing just to Christians sitting in churches like this. John is writing to Jews who are not yet believers. John is writing to Greeks who are not yet believers. That what John is, is doing... Uh, And I believe there's a lesson here. John doesn't try to win a culture war with unbelievers. In our world today, a lot of evangelical Christians are trying to win culture wars. That's not what John was doing. John was not fighting a culture war. What John was doing, when you fight a culture war, this is what you do. You are burning a bridge. When you fight... A culture war where I'm the winner, you're the loser, you're burning a bridge. But what John was doing is he was pursuing something very different. He was pursuing cultural engagement. See, John's not trying to burn bridges and defeat unbelievers. He's trying to build a bridge that wins unbelievers. And what John does in this and what he does in the remainder of the Gospel of John is that he doesn't address the unbelieving world with angry words or words of condemnation. He doesn't burn bridges between believing and unbelieving worlds. He engages the unbelieving world with powerful ideas that help them see how Jesus is a better answer to some of their most trying and difficult questions. He's showing them That Jesus is the one who created all things to the Jews. He is showing them that Jesus is um, more than a principle. More than uh, the the unifying principle uh, that, that defines order in the universe. But he is the universal. He is the person who has created the whole universe. And who ties all things together. So that we see what happens in the physical universe. Jesus is better than the most popular philosophies of the day. Jesus is better than religion. Jesus is the word because Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the word who was and is fully God. Jesus is the word who was and is fully human. The bridge between God and mankind the bridge between heaven and earth. Jesus is more than a spoken idea or a written idea. Jason, you can go ahead and come on up, our worship team. Jesus is more than a spoken idea or a written idea. He isn't just the central organizing principle of the universe. He is not just the means by which God created all things. He is God in his essential being. He was with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit before the beginning of creation. And he is the one who created all things in the beginning. 
In him is eternal life, and he is the one who enlightens all mankind. He is the one who took on our humanity so that we might see the fullness of God uh, full of grace and truth. And he is the one who gives all who believe in him the right to become children of God. He is the perfect bridge between heaven and earth, between God and man. Let's pray. God, you are great, you are awesome, and you are good. Uh, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you come to us full of grace, full of truth. Uh, And that you are the one that by believing in you, that we can be children of God. Uh, We thank you, Lord Jesus, for carrying our, our sin to the cross and for defeating the power of sin and death through your resurrection. In Christ's name, amen. Nothing can separate, even if I ran away, your love never fails. Well, I know I still make mistakes, you have new mercies for me every day, your love never fails. You stand the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. When when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. And the wind is strong. The wind is strong and the water's deep. But I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. In the chasm, the chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. Your love never fails. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you say you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. When when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. I sing, you make all things, God, you make all things work together for my good. You make all things 
work together for my good. God, you make all things work together for my good. One more time, God, you make all things work together for my good. You say the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. When when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Yes, your love never fails. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning, for joining us online. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We will see you guys next week.